Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the evolving meaning of emojis in conversation, the sound of focusing on your core customers, and some innovative examples of immersive live event experiences. Expressing, hearing, and singing. Oh my! Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. So, Joey, I was listening to NPR the other day, and I heard a story from NPR's Aisha Roscoe that was called, The Final Word is the Thumbs Up Emoji Dead. And it got me thinking about how we have talked about emojis twice on this podcast. And as you know, uh, loyal listeners, season 10, we're doing some throwbacks to older stories. Back in season one, episode three, we talked about the power of emojis in email subject lines. And in season three, episode 69, we talked about the power of emojis in customer service. So this radio segment really stuck with me. But before I get into the details of it, Joey, I have a little quiz that I'd like to give you if you are game. I'm going to ask you about 10 different emojis, and I just want you to tell me what you think they mean or what they mean to you. Sound good? All righty. Happy to say what they mean to me. I don't know if I'm using these the right way, but I will do my best. All right. And listeners, I want you to know that after Joey tells us what they mean. You're going to hear another voice that is of a member of the Generation Z population. And they're going to be answering the same question. All right, here we go. The thumbs up emoji. I would say that that either means like, I agree with you or it's a plan or some type of an affirmative. Yep, let's do that. Thumbs up emoji. It's kind of like a dry response to when you think something is good. Like you don't care enough to say words about it. You just use it to kind of like end the conversation abruptly. The skull emoji. One of two things. Either dead or some type of a Halloween reference. Uh, I feel like the skull emoji is kind of replaced the laughing emoji. It's kind of used after a joke or in responding to a joke. Kind of like just show you like you thought it was funny. The clown face emoji. Either that's funny or like a sarcastic, you're clowning me. Clown face emoji is used as an insult to kind of call um, someone a clown. The loudly crying face emoji. And folks, this is the one that has the streams of tears going down the face. 
I got to admit, I'm not sure because I use the one that has like the little water droplets going down the face, which I think could potentially mean the same thing, which is like, I'm laughing so hard I'm crying. The loudly crying face emoji is kind of used like after a joke or in response to a joke to kind of show that you think it's funny. Or sometimes it can be used to like taunt someone. The grinning face with sweat emoji. And again, folks, to describe this, this is a smiling face and it has one little droplet up near the forehead or the temple. I got to admit, I've never used this emoji. If I had to guess, it would be something around like, I'm, I'm laughing at the exercise I'm doing. I don't know. I have no idea. I've, I'm showing my lack of emoji knowledge on this one. The grinning face emoji is kind of used when you're in like an awkward situation. Normally when I use it, I type in he, H-E-H, which is kind of like, it's just like, like you're kind of like awkward about it, about a situation. How about the folded hands emoji? Uh, like a here's hoping or here's praying that it works out this way. So this is like the, like the, the prayers up emoji. Like you use it if you're like wishing someone good luck or happy birthday or thanking someone even. The fire emoji. Ooh, that's hot. Like, ooh, that outfit is fire. Or ooh, burn. Well, the fire emoji is like kind of self-explanatory. It's like, that's fire. Like, that's cool. That's, that's nice. Like when someone does something good, like you put fire emoji, like to, like to show that you, you're proud of them and you, that you, it's, it's fire. The eyes emoji. And listeners, this is the two eyeballs that are sort of looking, glancing sideways. Like the googly eyes is what I think of this one. Uh, whatever was just written or said in the thread is shocking. Like whatever it's looking at is some shocking, like, oh my gosh, can you believe that just was said? The eyes emoji can be used when like you think something's like important and you're kind of like eyeing it. Or like, again, if, something, if someone does something good, like you put the eyes emoji to show like, like you're watching them, like all eyes on them. The upside down face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. No <laughs> idea whatsoever. Like, I don't know. I'm laughing as I'm falling over. I don't know. I don't use this emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the kissing face emoji. Not to be confused with the kissing face with heart emoji. Oh, see, I'm glad you clarified that because I use the one, the like what I would almost call the like blowing kisses emoji that has the little heart. I don't know what the kiss... I don't even feel like the kissing face emoji, I would know that it was kissing if you didn't tell me it was kissing because of the way the mouth is created. I don't know. Maybe a like, love you, that type of a sound effect emoji. Uh, the kissing face emoji is like a kind of like a sign of affection within, um, within friends. You kind of send it to show affection. Wow, I think we both learned some things there and, and hopefully our <laughs> listeners did too. Uh, I think what you. we learned is that Joey doesn't know nearly enough emojis. No, actually, I think what we learned is that Joey is of a different generation than our other guest, which uh, people have maybe guessed is my son, Mark, who is 16. Thank you, Mark, for participating. And that was the whole idea of this radio segment, which we'll get back to in a second. But I wanted to talk about a couple of the emojis where you guys were just totally different. And again, nobody's wrong here. We're both using or everybody's using emojis in the way that they want to. But it's really important that we understand that if you're talking to somebody of a different generation, you might 
want to look out. So the first is the folded hands emoji. I think this one is fascinating. To me, it always looked like hands that were praying. But, and as Mark said, he did reference praying, but he said, this is like the prayers up emoji. Like you use it if you're wishing someone good luck or happy birthday or thanking someone. So not not in the way that you and I might think of prayer, but what's fascinating is Mark is a member of Generation Z. Millennials look at the folded hand emoji and see a high five. A high five? It's two hands that are coming together. We just assume that it's two of the same person's hands. They see two different hands. I wonder what they think of then of what I call the double high five emoji. That's the one I use. That's like the hands clapping up and you see the little movement lines around them. To me, that's the like double high five. I guess, yes. I suppose and, you could see it as a high five. And I can confirm Joey uses that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then there's also the, the fire emoji, which I love because Mark started by saying, well, the fire emoji is kind of self-explanatory. But guess what he didn't say? He didn't say what Joey said, which is of course what I would have said, which is that's hot. No, he said that's fire, that's cool, that's nice. Like when someone does something good, you put a fire emoji there to show that you're proud of them. Like, yeah. Wait, yeah. what was Com that? <laughs> yeah, so fascinating. So fascinating that you know, I, I have to imagine, and, I, and I'm not sure, that when emojis were originally being created, when we think about an image as opposed to text, it should theoretically be a shorthand way of communicating that everybody understands what you mean. But clearly this is showing that not everyone understands what you mean. You know, I taking it out of a, an emoji context briefly, I remember years ago, and I say this from a place of love to all the parties that I'm about to talk about, my cousin was going through kind of a tough time. And she texted this scenario to her mom. I heard about this from her uh, afterwards. And she kind of explained the scenario to her mom and her mom responded, thinking of you, LOL. And my cousin messaged me. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm having this tough go and my mom is laughing at me. Well, because we knew LOL to mean laughing out loud. Her mom thought it meant lots of love. And so even with an <laughs> oh, acronym, boy. there was confusion, right? And obviously yeah. it got sorted out in short order, but there, that initial read was like, oh my gosh, I just shared this kind of tough situation I'm in via text and you responded laughing out loud. No, they responded lots of love. So I do think that confusion in communication uh, can cause all sorts of challenges. For sure. I want to go through two more and then we'll move on. Obviously, our listeners heard the differences and frankly, almost all of them, I think you and Mark had different answers. The eyes emoji is really interesting to me. You pointed out that it was something that might be surprising. The millennials refer to that one as I'm listening. So even though it's eyes, they don't use ears, they use eyes. It means I'm listening. Mark said something similar. He said, it's like you're watching them like all eyes are on them. So again, it's a, it's a subtle difference, but it's really fascinating. You know, if you were texting with Mark, for example, Joey, you might mean one thing, he might be completely interpreting another, which of course gets us back to the title of the segment from NPR, which is, is the thumbs up emoji dead? 
Now, you answered with the thumbs up emoji exactly like I would, that it means good, it means uh, sounds good, A-OK. But as Mark explained, younger generations think that there's a little bit of an element of sarcasm in there. Like, I don't have enough time to respond to this or I don't care enough, so I'm just going to say whatever thumbs up. And so it's a throwaway emoji, whereas you and I probably use it much more with a much more positive intention. The younger generation does not necessarily look at it that way. So I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Thank you for playing the game with me. I want to get back to this radio segment from NPR because it features a father discussing certain emojis with his 13-year-old daughter and frankly having a pretty similar experience to what we just had here on the show. Aisha Roscoe from NPR then spoke to Susan Herring, who's a linguistics professor at Indiana University who specializes in digital communication. Now, Herring says that a lot of emojis that millennials used or even we Gen Xers used have been, quote, bleached of their impact, unquote. She continues, quote, so now they need something, and she's talking about the the younger generation, that has a stronger impact that's more outrageous or more over the top, unquote. They agree that the meanings of emojis are fluid and can mean different things to different people. Herring goes on to note that this is standard procedure for young people. Quote, It's characteristic of what young people do with language. They're always generating new expressions and new words and new ways of speaking to distinguish themselves in opposition to other groups that are perceived as being out of it or square, as we used to say back in the day. See, we just know from that that she's a little bit older than we are because I don't (laughs) think we ever went through square, right? (laughs) So not surprisingly, I was fascinated by all this. So I did some additional research. I found a terrific article on, of all places, dictionary.com that was called How Gen Z Uses Emoji, A Guide for Millennials. Now, I fully admit not being either a Gen Z or a millennial, some of it was completely over my head. But I've spent enough time hanging out with both populations that I decided to take the quiz. And I'm proud to say I scored 9 out of 10 on the quiz, which was a little bit different than our quiz today. So what can we learn from this? Pay attention to your customer base and how they communicate. You don't want to be that hipster brand that misuses an emoji in social media and alienates the youngsters. Understand and even appreciate that different segments of your customer base may speak or text differently. And as with most things, companies need to be where their customers are on this, not the other way around. So is the thumbs up emoji dead? Nope. It just gained a dose of healthy sarcasm. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Today's CX Press comes from Raconteur, a British publication, and is titled, How Bose's Marketing Chief is Cutting Through the Noise. The article was written by Sam Forsdick and details how Bose is reconnecting and re-engaging with their core customers, audiophiles. That would be somebody that loves high-fidelity sound reproduction, right, Joey? 
Yes, it would be, Dan. Picture the person who is constantly searching for the best speakers, the best headphones, the best sound possible. That's Bose's target audience, or at least it historically has been their target audience. The article details how in recent years, Bose started to distance themselves a little bit from their top customers by focusing on things like hearing aids and sunglasses with built-in speakers. This led to a significant fallout in both sales revenue and a reduction in workforce from 9,000 employees to 7,000 employees. I think Chief Marketing Officer Jim Molica summed it up well in the article as follows, quote, When you're a company driven by innovation, there's no shortage of opportunities to wander into new spaces. Maybe we didn't always have the strongest filter on some of that innovation. It's our mission to bring transformational and immersive sound experiences to people who are passionate about music. From the start, it was clear to me that we should focus on music. There was no need to be distracted by other things. Oh, I love that quote because how many businesses have been plagued by distraction and have gotten away from their core customer base and the people that they're you know built to serve because they started working on quote unquote, brand extensions and new offerings and new iterations that took them further and further away from what they were known for and the people who loved them most. I think this is a common problem that a lot of businesses face, especially in this drive to constantly innovate and iterate and add new SKUs and add new services and offerings for customers. We have a tendency to forget the folks that got us to where we are in the first place. For sure. And I would add that that extends to chasing shiny objects around new social media platforms or marketing platforms, being the first in the metaverse, being the first to deal with cryptocurrency, all of these things that end up being peripheral to the business, but not a main focus. You know, I know you and I have talked offline about the fact that I declared about this time last year, I declared 2022 to be my year of no distraction. And so even in a one man business like mine, I decided I was not going to focus on all of the things that everybody tells us to focus on, right? Oh, you got to sell books and you got to sell courses and you got to blog every day and you got to do this and you got to do this. And all I focused on was the speaking business. And guess what? Shocker, my speaking business did the best that it had ever done this year because of that focus. Now, does that mean that you can only have one product or service? No, but better to get that thing hitting all cylinders first then and then move on to something else rather than trying to be everything to everyone or be in every channel doing every innovative thing. Dan, I so agree. And I think the problem is this stuff starts out as really innocent and understandable creep. And then it snowballs into big initiatives that are taking you away from your core focus, you know? Oh, let's make sure, to your point, that we're on this social media platform. And then three more platforms get introduced. Oh, well, we have to have a presence on all of those. And next thing you know, you've got entire departments that are chasing these new shiny object platforms. And you're getting away from what you should be focused on, which is just communicating with your customers. Now, as part of their renewed focus, Bose is trying to bring it back to music. They've secured a series of brand ambassadors across the singer-songwriter and rap and virtual band and DJ space, to name but a few. And they're working to reinforce that image that they make high-fidelity audio devices 
for customers that greatly value sound quality. They're bringing it back to the basics, which is what does it sound like? And if you're someone who has a discerning ear, you want to have Bose products. You know, I wonder if they might also want to focus on great customer experience podcasts because, you know, those <laughs> sound even better in a Bose headset than now we're talking, right? They really do. They really do. <laughs> but no, I mean, this makes sense, right? I mean, that's what Bose is known for. They're known for sound. And most of the time, they're known for sound while people are listening to music. And I would say the other part I know them for is you see a lot of people uh, with their headsets on airplanes because their noise reduction system and you know whether they're watching a show or they're listening to music that's a nice experience on an airplane but i think this makes all the sense in the world for them to get back to their roots it does and i think it's interesting when we think about all things hearing and the quality of sound we get into these conversations that we've talked about before on this show which is what is the sound of your brand what is the sound experience and how are you crafting the interactions to make the sound of your brand immersive and and part of the overall show, if you will. You know, Bose is also rolling out a sound concierge service that will help people fine-tune their audio equipment to match their individual needs, whether that's listening to music or watching movies or playing video games. Targeting a deeper relationship with your customer and helping them shape their use of your product in their life is a great way to not only build long-term customer loyalty, but to stay true and focused on your key offerings and the key customers that you serve. Now, this refocusing by Bose has been made easier by the fact that all of its employees have, quote, dedicated their lives to sound, unquote. As Molika, the CMO, notes in the article, quote, we need to get close to the consumer as a brand. So it really helps that we have so many audiophiles and musicians in the business, unquote. Exactly. If you want your employees to be close to your customers, hire the type of employees that see the world in the same way that your customers do, or in Bose's case, hear the world in the same way that your customers do. Now, I felt there were at least two key takeaways from this article that could be applied to every business, regardless of your industry, regardless of whether your product or service. And that is, number one, it's important to regularly refocus on what's most important to your customers. Not to you, not to the board, not to the next new person who's been hired's initiative and idea of what they want to do. But what's most important to your customers? Beware of straying from that core audience as it creates a diluted experience for everyone. Secondly, what is the sound of your brand? If you want people to listen to you, make sure you're offering them something worth listening to. Are you tired of not knowing the answer to customer questions? Do you wish everyone on your customer support team had a high level of subject matter expertise so they could respond to customers efficiently and accurately? If so, maybe it's time for you to swarm. You've reached Acme Cybersecurity. My name is Skylar. Am I correct? This is Mr. Herring I'm speaking to. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, thanks, Skylar. I'm calling because I manage the mainframe here at KJL Manufacturing, and I see some odd traffic coming in. I was wondering if there was a way to siphon some of these spear phishing probes into an isolated environment so that I could run them against a new protocol we have to block them further upstream. 
that's a great question, but regrettably, uh, that I'm not so sure how to handle right off the top of my head. Can you give me two minutes to research a solution? Uh, sure, it's not super urgent, but I'd love to figure this out today, if at all possible. Okay, I have no idea how to handle this, but I think Harper or Luna might know. It's time to swarm. Awesome, both Harper and Luna are online and available right now. Let me explain Mr. Herring's situation and his request. Okay, that seems a lot easier to do than I would have thought. Luna to the rescue once again with screenshots on how to do it, no less. Mr. Herring? That was fast. I'm glad you feel that way. I connected with one of our senior technicians, and they shared an easy way you can create an isolated environment to start your testing. Let me explain. You're going to want to go into your account settings and select the tab link. Swarming is a framework that allows your support team to draw on the collective knowledge of your entire enterprise. Think of it like a beehive. When an agent initiates a swarm, Coveo's AI-powered software instantly identifies the best subject matter experts in your organization. These experts, think of them as bees, gather in a dedicated Slack channel to workshop a solution in real time. Like a group of bees, they collaborate to produce the best honey. Once they've identified the best answer, the bees go back to their other tasks, leaving behind not only the golden answer you seek, but a honeycomb-like framework that makes answering questions like this easier and faster next time. Swarming is a great way to provide highly specific answers to very technical customer questions. To find the sweet solutions your customer service team need, visit get.coveo.com slash experience this. That's G-E-T dot C-O-V-E-O dot com slash experience this, where you can access an ebook with an overview of how swarming works and schedule a demo to see how swarming can help your team deliver better customer and agent experiences. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? As our listeners undoubtedly know by now, besides from being your favorite podcast hosts, Joey and I are both professional speakers who get to travel to lots of fun places and speak at a wide variety of events. Now, as a good customer experience guy, I am always paying attention to what's going on around me, and in particular, how event professionals create experiences at conferences. After all, like with many industries, the events business runs the risk of events feeling all the same. I was recently at two different events that really tried to stand out, and I think they did so very effectively. So I wanted to talk about them here today. The first was the PACE Annual Convention in Nashville. PACE is the Professional Associations for Customer Engagement. And I was fortunate enough to be one of their keynote speakers last month. Rob Seaver, who is a friend and the executive director of PACE, told me that he really wanted to leverage the history and culture of Nashville to bring people a unique experience. Now, the opening keynote involved three songwriters from Nashville that you've never heard of. But between them, they had like two dozen number one hits. Wow. And what was fascinating is they took turns telling stories about the songs that they had written. And then being all talented musicians themselves, they played the song. 
Now, the one that stuck out to me, Joey, that I think you will also love was one of the songwriters was telling a story that had been told to him about a man and his daughter. Now, the man is visiting his daughter at college and they have a nice dinner together. And then the daughter says that she's going to go to a bar. The dad says, can I come with? And she says, no. He says, why not? And she says, because they won't let you in. And he says, what do you mean? So she explains, this bar cards people. And if you're over 23 years old, they don't let you into the bar. (laughs) So the songwriter hears that. That turns into a country music hit that is called Fake ID. The story of which is a man trying to get into a bar using a fake ID to show that he's younger, not older, which I thought was absolutely incredible. I love it. I love that it's incorporating story. I love that it's incorporating sound and music. And to your point, the team at Pace realized that if we're going to have everybody fly to Nashville for this event, let's give them a little bit of Nashville in the event. I mean, Dan, you and I know better than many you know, these events happen in cities all around the country and you never actually leave the hotel. You never actually get a feel for the flavor of the city or the place where you're at. And at some point, one conference room looks like the next conference room looks like the next conference room. And so I agree with you that there's a huge opportunity when it comes to gathering in person to let the physical space, the location of your meeting or of your event play a role in the overall design experience of the event. For sure. And I will acknowledge up front, I am not a big fan of country music. But after watching these three songwriters and listening to them for about 90 minutes, I kind of became interested. And what I loved about it was that so much of today's country music is about storytelling. And guess what? Same with customer experience, right? I mean, that's what we do here on this podcast every week is we storytell about experiences. And so I actually gained an appreciation for it, which absolutely doesn't happen if I'm not sitting in Nashville with a Nashville-themed event. Uh, And of course, country music being a big part. So totally with you. And I definitely think that whether it's Las Vegas or Nashville or Orlando or you know even more remote locations, taking advantage of the area around you is always a lot of fun, especially for people that are visiting. Then I was part of an event that were, was put on by the folks at Sprinkler, a customer experience management platform that integrates all customer-facing functions within a business. Sprinkler held the first of four traveling roadshow events called the Unifiers Roadshow, in which they invited prospects and clients to an afternoon and evening of learning and fun. As part of the event in New York City, Sprinkler invited a local band which featured a bass player, a keyboardist, a drummer, and an outstanding soloist. After the band performed, everyone in the audience was divided into groups and invited on stage to essentially partake in each of the elements of the band. So the bass player taught a bunch of us how to play the bass, and literally we got to play the bass. The keyboardist and the drums did the same thing. The soloist ran us through the lyrics of the song, which by the way, since it was the Unifiers Roadshow, they chose Come Together by the Beatles, which is an awesome song, of course. 
And we even got to go back in the production booth and learn how to edit and master audio after it's been recorded. So it was this incredibly immersive experience that everybody, I mean, I'll admit some people, not me, of course, but some people were a little sheepish about getting up on stage and and wanting to do this, but ultimately everyone did it. What I love about, uh, there's so many things I love about this, but what I love most about this is they took a performance, which happens at a lot of events. Let's be candid. There are musical entertainers at many, many conferences and events, but they actually got the audience involved in the experience as well. And I'm sensing kind of a musical theme here, Dan, which I'm sure you enjoyed. Our listeners probably know that both Dan and I were acapella singers in our previous lives, though sadly never singing together. And I'm sure you enjoyed being able to not only learn the lyrics of the song with the soloist, but get the chance to do some of the other instruments as well. Yeah, I can tell you I never played a bass before. That was really fun. And I mean, look, I think... Music is something that is capable of bringing people together, as both of these examples have shared. And what I loved uh, about this particular one was that most of the people on stage, whether they were trying out the instruments or trying to sing, had never done it before. And I think that was the whole point, was to get people out of their comfort zone. But I'll tell you, afterwards everyone was talking about it. They all, they just had this exhilaration and they loved it. I love that. And it plays into two interesting aspects of the event hosted by the team at Sprinkler. So number one, they created an experience which got people talking. But that experience was about trying something new or trying something different. And if I remember correctly, Dan, when you were setting up the conversation, you explained that the people attending this event were not only clients who were already using the Sprinkler platform, but invited prospects as well. And if you're trying to invite and encourage people to try something new that they haven't tried before, like the Sprinkler platform, what better way to get them in the mood of you can try something and actually have fun and you can try something that maybe pushes you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but still results in a positive experience. If you can do that with the band, why not, I imagine the prospect thinks, shouldn't I try that with the Sprinkler platform? Exactly. Very well said. So what's the takeaway here? Chances are the company you work for either hosts its own event, sponsors one or more industry events, or even just sends its employees to learn at events. The more immersive and engaging these events are, the more memorable they are for participants. That means they come back to the office and tell people about it. They encourage others to attend next year. Even if you're a sponsor, instead of having the same booth with the same swag items as everybody else, do something different to stand out from the crowd. After all, don't we want our prospects and customers to be, if you'll excuse the pun, singing our praises? Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay you! We're curious, was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, 
Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience. Yes.